0: Hey there, Graybeardians. Welcome back and thanks for joining me on another episode of Cybersecurity Graybeard, the podcast that helps students, early professionals, and retrainees learn, grow, and advance in the cybersecurity profession. Make sure to email questions, comments, and episode recommendations to cybergraybeard at gmail.com. In this, the next to last episode of season four, I talk about online tools and lab environments that security students and professionals can use to learn and increase your technical skills. This is exactly what I had mentioned and talked with about Adrianus. It was his idea, and I loved it. He mentioned what others have said, and that is that we want students that have finger-on-keyboard experience, and these websites that I'm going to talk about can provide that. Please note that while these environments are usually meant for those that want to get really deep with the technical side of cybersecurity, non-technical folks can certainly use these as well. These tools and trainings go as deep as you want. For those that just want a taste, just read the highlights and go through the first few labs, if even that. As they get deeper, pare back if there's no benefit to you and or you're not enjoying what you're doing. Remember what I always say, find what you love to do and find a way to make money at it. Before I get started, as I've done all season, I want to mention Josh B. My Sola, my mentee that's trying to relocate to Canada and study cybersecurity. As I've mentioned before, I think we all have it incumbent upon us to help those that don't have that which we do. To help Josh, you can either go to Give, Send, Go, and search cybersecurity and select Fund an International Cybersecurity Student, or just click the link under Episode Notes. And for this episode, there's quite a number of notes. Now, on with the show. There are numerous ways to build an environment or visit pre-made sites or vendors. I'm going to kind of use those terms interchangeably. I'm going to go ahead and start with pre-build and then move into these third-party sites. I am not endorsing any of these solutions. I'm just providing information for your research, testing, and advancement in cybersecurity. Make sure to look and see if there are any costs before making commitments. Some of these are free. Some of them have temporary time for sign-up, maybe a month. And as a student, you may be able to get discounts or even free access. If you find something you like and can't afford it, reach out to their sales team and see what they can do for you. Don't let a price on a web page have you miss out on a great tool and a great learning experience. There are situations where companies want students using their technology because when you get into the professional world, you'll remember what you did. And I'll just use a simple example, and I'll just pull this one out because it's first on the list, and that's RangeForce. They may have a program where you get a discount and or free access because when you then go into the real job world, you can sit and say, hey, I've used RangeForce, and that grows their business. My goal in this episode is to introduce you to some names, explain what they do, and provide links for you to get further information. Hopefully this data whets the appetite and prompts you to do further investigating. I recommend if you do nothing else, go to the SourceForge link in the episode notes and read through the sites that interest you. A lot of information that I put up here in this conversation comes from that page and you should benefit just like I did. I'm gonna go ahead and start with homemade environments and then I'm gonna move on to the more controlled environments. Item number one, build your own. Find hardware or buy a system that has at least 16 gigabytes of RAM and preferably 32. You should get an i5 or equivalent AMD processor or higher. Don't do a core i3, go with an i5, i7, i9. The system does not have to be a beast. A large part of the cost on systems nowadays are around the graphics card, you don't really need a graphics card. You're gonna install Oracle's VirtualBox or you could look at VMware Workstation or see if you can find another hypervisor. I personally use Oracle's VirtualBox because it's free and easy to use. However, others know about VM Workstation, the guys that I work with all use that. It's your choice, play around with either one. I do know though that VirtualBox is free. Once you install the hypervisor, find the ISO for Kali Linux and build your first VM. I put the link in the episode notes to help you find that ISO and get started. That ISO will work with VBOX or VM Workstation or whatever hypervisor you select. Once you do that, you now have a Kali environment, and I'll talk about that a little bit more here in a moment. I now want to talk about the second item, and that's going to the cloud. I recommend that you either go to Azure or AWS because they are the main clouds out in the business world. By building a cloud solution, this is a two-for-one win for you. It's helping you learn about cloud environments, and you're going to be able to learn about security. So this is a big deal. I probably would recommend this over item number one, building your own. However, if you don't want to have to deal with connectivity or paying for another system, you could just buy it and have one-time sunk cost. Some folks say, what about Google Cloud? It comes in a distant third. If you know GCP, go ahead and use it. Again, I really recommend AWS number one and Azure is number two. In AWS, you're going to build an EC2 instance. In Azure, you're going to build an Azure VM. Again, down in the notes, I have a link that talks about differences between Azure and AWS. Fundamentally, they're the same thing. They just have different nomenclature. They're different dialects, if you will. I recommend that you set up the Kali Linux on one of these environments, as I just said, that you should do in VBox or VM Workstation, depending on which you choose. Kali is the way to go, no matter what server, no matter what hosting environment, that is what you want to set up. And a large part of that is because of Metasploit. You can go ahead and re-listen to Season 2, Episode 10 on the Cybersecurity Offensive Tools. I talk a bit in detail about Metasploit. When you do the cloud setup, you can also build multiple systems easily. You can do the same thing in your home system if it's beefy enough. And what I mean by that is you would give four gig of RAM to the Cali box, and maybe eight gig of RAMs to a Windows server and four gig of RAM to an Ubuntu server. And now on that 16 or 32 gig system, you can cross attack. It's a bit easier if you do it in Azure AWS. You can get unlimited specifications and hardware. But if you don't have that, again, if you don't want to, you could build it inside. I actually have 32 gig on a server, and I ran those three systems. I had an Ubuntu, a Kali, and a Windows. And the reason I had the Windows was for Metasploitable. This is an easy way to learn what you're going to want to do is build the Kali Metasploit and then a Windows Metasploitable machine. Metasploitable is an inherently weak system, so when you do your attacks, you get hits. This is very important. If you do use Metasploitable on an internal machine at home, Make sure that box is not connected to your home network. If hackers find you have Metasploitable, they will rape your environment. You do not want that. If it is a must that you do Metasploitable inside your environment, lock it down to the internet. Again, if a hacker finds it on your home network, you're going to be in trouble. I like Metasploitable and how it works with Metasploit from an education standpoint. But again, I cannot stress this enough. Protect yourself. That's why doing Metasploitable in an Azure or an AWS cloud is probably a better way to go. It may make sense to start with one of the following that I'm going to talk about and then backtrack to the home environment. I started with the home environment just so you can get an idea for what you need to do it. But if you're going to sit here and say, Graveyard, I don't want to, I don't want to buy, I don't want to build, I don't want to be responsible. I don't want to learn the cloud. I'm overwhelmed as it is. What do you recommend? This is where I recommend you start. These tools are going to be that launch point and then you can build your environment later if you want. First one I'm going to mention, I've already dropped the name is Rangeforce. This is an online SaaS-based platform dedicated to helping improve cybersecurity readiness. This product, which I do have firsthand experience with, provides mock environments for practicing and learning. There are many solutions and resources at RangeForce. This should be your first stop on the journey of finding a place to get real-world, hands-on experience with cybersecurity simulation and testing environments. RangeForce prides themselves on their entirely emulated and realistic environments made up of real IT infrastructure, real security tools, and real threats. Take a look at their materials at Range Force as well. There's a lot of documentation online that provides immense amounts of data. I'm speaking highly of RangeForce again because I've seen it. I am not endorsing them. They are not paying me for this. They are not a sponsor. I'm just, as always, being open and honest with you. I had my fingers on keyboards with these folks. I saw an individual that was absolutely not technical. Use this and learn quite a bit from it. Range Force is a way to go. And again, if they want money from you, see what you can do about negotiating it down, either being a student or an early professional, and let them know why you're using it, and you may be able to get a discount. The second one is called Hack the Box. And again, I have links to each of these in the episode notes. This is a massive hacking playground. I've heard about this a number of times throughout my career over the last few years. And along with RangeForce, I do put this at the top of the list. I have RangeForce 1 and this too for a specific reason. This is a self-paced, hands-on, and gamified learning and practicing experience. This tool is used internally by hundreds of companies around the world. It is a great place to start. This platform has over three-quarters of a million members. Professionals, including information security practitioners, and developers use Hack the Box. We'll talk more about developers here in a minute, but I wanted to move on to the third one and that is Infosec Skills. For my regular listeners, you know that I have spoken at the InfoSec Institute. They have interviewed me. I greatly appreciate what they've done for this podcast and furthering it. I doubled easily after my interview with them. I mention them because I respect them, I know them, and because they were at the top of the list as I was doing research, and it makes perfect sense. InfoSec Institute has a skills category. It is the top of its class cybersecurity organization. It is up there with ISC Squared and SANS. I've recommended them before, and I really recommend that you take a look at their skills programs. They have a Cyber Ranges Guide, which takes learners through realistic scenarios inside the operating environments where you would encounter on the job. Users can simply launch a Cyber Range with a click of a button and learn how to counter MITRE attack tactics and techniques targeting organizations today. I put a link to MITRE MITREAttack at MITRE.org. This is very important for understanding threat vectors and how you defend and the cybersecurity kill chain, MITRE ATT&CK is a big deal and Infosec Skills aligns their cyber classes and the ranges to MITRE ATT&CK. Along with the NIST cybersecurity framework, MITRE ATT&CK is a major component in the world today and professionals in cybersecurity, we really focus our defense around those concepts. All of the Infosec Skills training maps directly to a nice framework which helps you build role-relevant, scalable team development programs to close the cyber skills gap. Now, I read that directly from their page, and it's important. It's marketing material, but it's very good because once you do this and you go interview, you can specifically say that you have formal cyber education training from InfoSec directly aligned to the NICE framework. I'll let you look into that and figure out exactly what it means. The bottom line is This environment helps you take a bottom-up approach to any training initiative. They will build custom learning paths. They work with companies. If you already have a job and you want to expand, go to your management, share with them the InfoSec skills, and show them how it's really going to help the organization. And another way that you can get some of this training for free is have your employer pay for it. And that goes in line with what I said a few episodes ago about getting the most out of your cybersecurity employer. The last two that I'm going to talk about, well, two of the last three I'm going to talk about are for developers. doesn't mean that hands-on keyboard hackers, if you will, vulnerability managers, pen testers, SOC analysts, network engineers shouldn't check these things out. But they're specifically geared around developers. And I've said before, you don't need to be a hands-on keyboard SOC, not network engineer person to be cyber. Developers need to know about this too. It's important to focus on AppSec. First one that I want to talk about is Hacker Rank for developers. Again, there's a link in the episode notes for this. This is for SOC, threat hunters, pen testers, vulnerability managers, etc. You're not the only professionals that need cyber training, as I've said. With secure code at development, we would have a lot less to worry about on the cyber front. And Hacker Rank for developers helps developers, programmers, coders, whatever term you want to use, learn how to create secure software. It tests what you do. Anyone writing software should check out HackerRank for Developers. Prepare, certify, compete. Look at the link that I have below, and then you'll understand what I mean about prepare, certify, compete. This is nomenclature from HackerRank for Developers. Take a look and see if this is something that interests you and will help further your career. The next one, Hacktory.ai. This is a gamified online course site. It's a little bit different from the lab-based environments I mentioned up above. Hackery provides courses in key areas for cybersecurity defenders. I looked at it a little bit. I saw a number of courses and they were really focusing around web security, Java programming, C# coding and JavaScript coding. Like HackerRank again, this focuses on development and developers With this massive security education platform, there's a lot out there to help individuals learn and grow and make sure that you're writing strong code. The focus at Hacktory.ai is on AppSec, red teaming, and blue teaming, which I discussed in detail last week. This site will add a lot to your cybersecurity knowledge. Check out Hacktory.ai. The last one I'm going to mention, you all probably know about. You've all probably gone there and done a lot with it, and it's wonderful. There is a boon In our civilization, because of this company, YouTube. The site does not have simulators or training per se, and I'm sure you all know that, but it does have countless videos of individuals that are using all the tools that I mentioned. As a matter of fact, every one of these 5 that I've listed, they have their own channels on YouTube. When you get on YouTube, just search for cybersecurity tools, cybersecurity training and you're going to see a whole lot out there. Again, you've probably already done it. I am not a fan of YouTube. I don't put anything up there any longer. It doesn't meet my needs. This is an audio podcast. There are people out there like me though that are showing you. I've seen a few of them. It's huge. Definitely take a look at YouTube. And what I really would recommend take a look at the five that I talked about, go to YouTube, look at the channels, look at some of the videos and hear people talk about these platforms, find out why they like it and see if this is an area for you to go down. This is a lot. There are a lot of tools, there's a lot of services, there's a lot of programs out there. And as I mentioned, I just did this to whet the appetite. I know this is overwhelming and intimidating. I'm overwhelmed and intimidated just researching this episode. I've spent hours looking at these products, and it's a lot. That is why I wanted to do this. And like I said, when I was talking to Adrianus last week in the NordVPN episode, he mentioned how important these technologies are. I wanted to help you with it. My season's winding down. I only have one more episode next week, and that is going to be on cybersecurity in the news. For now, though... Don't get overwhelmed. Take a look at the notes. You can easily get lost in this forest and I just wanted to point a few trees that can get you started. Once you check them out and get a feel for what you want, it's going to be easier. Take a look at the episode notes again and read the SourceForge comparison page that I linked to. There were at least 20 different ones in there. That's a great starting point if you want to go beyond the five that I list here and beyond YouTube. You can also do a web search. I'm tired of saying Google is a verb. I don't use Google. I don't like Google, so why advertise for them? Go and do a web search. Go use DuckDuckGo and search for the following. Cybersecurity attack simulators, range force competitors, and online cybersecurity emulation tools. Search for those, take a look at the results, get out there, get your fingers wet, play around, have fun, Learn, grow, and advance. And that's it for Season 4, Episode 9. Stay tuned for next week's episode. As I said, it's going to be on Cybersecurity in the News. It was my finale last year, and it was very popular. I'm going to go ahead and do that. That is definitely going to be the season finale, and it may be the series finale of Cybersecurity Greybeard as well. I don't know. That'll be my 52nd episode. I may continue. One thing I'm thinking about doing for season five is all interviews. I would love to hear from you if the interviews are episodes that you enjoy and want to hear more about. If so, tell me what types of folks you want to hear from. I'm sure I can make that happen. If not, it's been wonderful. I have the next episode. I look forward to recording it for you and hearing from you at cybergraybeard at gmail.com. Have a great day and thanks for listening.